You're listening to ATP Tennis Radio. Available on the official website and apps, TuneIn Radio and in-home via Sonos, Google Home and Amazon Echo. months on from our maiden voyage to Monte Carlo. Here we are again, ATP Tennis Radio in the playground of the rich and famous. The palace, the harbour, the casino, the club, the courts, the clay. Incredible combination of shots there. The wealth, the glitz, the glamour. The speed, the power, the precision. Exquisite feel, phenomenal hands. The sun, the sea, the style, the spin, the swerve, the slide. Oh, yes! The brands, the cars, the boats, the joy. The pain, the emotion. Oh, it's incredible tennis. Absolutely sensational. The prize, the glory. The Monte Carlo Rolex Masters. Championship point Nadal, second serve. Goes deep and it's a double fault and disappointment for Ramos Vinales, but delight for the undisputed king of play. That is his 10th Monte Carlo title. It's his 70th career title. 50 of them have come on play. Rafa Nadal comes through against Albert Ramos Vinales in straight sets, 6-1, 6-3. A lot of years later, here we are with uh, with 10 titles. That is something that I never dreamed, so just... Uh, I can say thanks to life for giving me this opportunity and thank you very much to all the people for the great support during all the years. An incredible achievement last year. Part one here at the Rolex Monte Carlo Masters of the Triple Decima in 2017. Will he make it 11 here this year? Here to discuss that and much more in the latest ATP Tennis Radio podcast. Two very well-respected tennis journalists and regular contributors on ATP Tennis Radio, Simon Cambers and Carol Bouchard, who is also one of the editors of the official <laughs> tournament programme, which I learned today, with myself, Seb Lozier. And first, before we get on to all of that, it is a view and a vibe that uh, never really gets old, Carol. No, it's better with the sun, though, but you can't get, you know, tired of seeing the sea next to a tennis court. Well, we're so spoiled. I mean, I'm sitting here really annoyed. A few drops of rain coming down. <laughs> what is going on? Indeed. So what of Rafa? Um, what can we expect? Well, we talked to David Goffin today, and he was practicing with Novak yesterday and then Rafa, and he said he was a monster already. So that's what to expect about Rafa. I think, you know, he's been so annoyed not being able to play that he has all the energy of the world to put on clay. That's bad news for the, the rivals. Simon, it's such a draw for the fans. Um, oh there were God. more fans earlier watching him practice against Goffin than, than there were on any of the show calls. <laughs> I actually captured it for uh, the ATP Tennis Radio Instagram and Twitter. Fans, you, you can listeners can go on, on those to, for proof. But he's just a superstar. Yeah, he is a superstar. I, I've always recommended to people, if they ever want to come and see Nadal, to come to Monte Carlo, because especially coming from Britain and other, other countries around Europe, it's an easy flight. 
tickets are easy to get and you get so close up in practice to yeah. seeing these players and on the on the match court and you see Nadal in practice and it's a it's a, an incredible thing to watch because in practice he hits the ball twice as hard as he does I in know. a match he hits it as hard exactly. as he possibly can That's every shot That's my mystery why don't you do that also on match because it's not destroying possible destroying the ball in practice <laughs> but he is a, he's a, he's a mega star and especially on clay and in this place Monte Carlo where it all sort of began for him where he's won 10 times and where he could probably win another 10 you know, it's it's great to see him here. It's great to see him fit, and he looks strong. He sounded very happy today. He seemed uh, positive about it. He looked great in Davis Cup. So I expect another big week from him. Is there any vulnerability there? Well, he looked better when he came back in Acapulco, and then after what a week of practice, he broke down again. So I think if his body is fine, there's no nothing that cries old in his clay games. It's not possible. So. It's tough. I mean, it's tough because for the, even for the opponents, they start the clay season and they're like, okay, so no title for four weeks. It's but at some point, may might think that yeah, it can change. Novak proved it was possible. Stan proved it was possible. But you need the perfect, the perfect day, and that's that's a tough task. Even if there are no rivals on clay, where are the challenges coming from? Well, there are a lot of the thing about Nadal is that there are a few years ago he was vulnerable when he was going through his sort of confidence crisis. Now he seems to be completely back to his, his best, really. But you know, there are there are some good players out there who, if he's not on his form on the day, can cause some damage. The bigger hitters out there. I mean, we've got we've got a mix of the tried and trusted in the sort of you know the ones who haven't necessarily done it on clay, like Marin Cilic, Grigor Dimitrov, but. Then you've got the real up-and-comers who can absolutely smack the ball as hard as you've ever seen in your life. You know, Karen Kashinov had a good win yeah, today. He's yeah, a big hitter. Someone yeah. like that early in the tournament could give Rafa a few scares. But it, it's once he gets his feet in that clay, it's just so hard to move. I would have said, you know, somebody like Dominic Thiem, but then you remember their last matches on clay. Like, yeah, he can hang in there. But then to finish Rafa off on clay, but yeah, Thiem with his huge top spin and the, the finesse that he got, but he just broke his foot basically in Indian Wells. And he's like, oh, no. I'm fine. 98%. 98%. 98%. <laughs> That's what he said he is. So it's tough to find somebody, even, okay, in two sets, you say, okay, maybe. And then you think French Open, okay, one more set. That's, that's really rough. And the thing is that this year, you know, especially here in Monte Carlo, yes, Novak is here, but we don't know what kind of exactly. mental shape he's in. Oh, for sure. Uh, Murray's not here. Stan's not here. Nishikori's just coming back. These players who can hurt Nadal yeah. on clay court on their day are not here. So it's just yeah. all moving perfectly for him. Well, Novak, funny you just mentioned Novak. I'm pleased you did. And Sasha Zverev and Marin Cilic and Grigor Dimitrov and David Goffin, Lucas Puy. They're all out there on the main court, Renier Trois, yesterday for the Prince's, the Prince Albert Foundation. Joining the stars of the League of Their Own UK show, um, I have to say it was a very surreal half an hour of exhibition I think that's the only way you can really describe it featuring a Spice Girl a comedian a former England cricket captain and the former Liverpool captain Jamie Redknapp who I managed to talk with very quickly afterwards What am I doing in one of the most beautiful places in the world on Centre Court in Monte Carlo I don't really know but I think that's what this programme does League of Their Own is a programme in England for anyone that doesn't know and James Corden hosts it and he sends Freddie Flintoff and myself round this time around Europe, we've been to America, around, around Europe doing different challenges. Uh, we're going to Milan to shoot penalties at halftime in the, in the Milan-Napoli game. Uh, I should be better than that, hopefully, than my tennis. But it was a great experience, and I'd like to thank the guys as well, because obviously for Jamie Murray and people like Novak Djokovic to give us so much time and come out. And Novak Djokovic, one of the greatest tennis players ever, is umpiring our game. It was quite surreal, actually, but a lovely moment. 
you were playing with Josh Widdicombe, weren't you? And, and uh, Freddie was playing with uh, Jerry Halliwell. Who won? Do we know? Well, I'm not quite sure what the score was at some at uh, one stage, but the forfeit for this is um, well, the last time we did it, the, the loser had to dance with the Chippendales, um, and Freddie lost. And this year, it's you've got to do an, uh, the Red Bull Air Race, and I, I don't like heights, and I really don't want to lose this challenge. So uh, we'll see. But um, Freddie's Freddie's a good competitor, but we've had some fun. And the fact, you know, yeah, it was great fun. We enjoyed it. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, mate. Thank you. And Jamie's being whisked away to have a photo with all of those uh, people and the players, the pros that they also played with, five of the world's top ten. Um, I'm actually going to have a quick chat uh, with Matt McGladrigan now, social media manager for ATP, because I imagine, Matt, um, that while all that's been happening, you've been capturing all kinds of content to put up on your, on your channels for, for all the fans. Yeah, definitely, and I think it's, it's great to see a load of ATP players kind of outside of you know that sort of match setting to show fans the players interacting with each other kind of that they're friends that you know they're they're getting on and all that kind of stuff so Novak up in the the umpire's chair and yeah no it was a really good event where can people get all of the content that you've just uh, that you've just created with tennis tv we have um, facebook twitter instagram youtube channels um, where all our content sits so for this event we just did a a, a live on facebook um, of the ATP players um, having the, the match tie break at the end. So we, we got all of that. And then, yeah, um, our, you know, our channels will be, will be full of great behind-the-scenes content throughout the, the event here in Monte Carlo and throughout the year. And I have to say, just to sign off, I'm not sure Novak Djokovic will be asked up in the umpire's chair again. Yeah, I don't think he seemed to be following what was going on mostly. But um, yeah, maybe there was, there was about, you know, kind of 10 players on the court at most. So yeah, maybe... Uh, he was a bit distracted, but no, I don't think um, Mohamed Leani's got anything to worry about. <laughs> Novak was a very good sport. Matt, thank you very much. Now, Novak Djokovic was chair umpire in all of this, believe it or not. Certainly when, uh, when Jamie and, and uh, Freddie Flintoff and everyone were playing. And uh, the main takeaway for me, other than that Jamie Redknapp's tennis is a, not as good as his football, <laughs> um, was how relaxed Novak, first of all, how funny Novak is, um, and how relaxed he seemed. Well, I think when it's not tennis competition mode, you know, it's fine and relaxed because that's how he's in, in the life. And then he's going to set a foot uh, tomorrow to play his first round and then the pressure is going to come. But no, he's fine mentally. I mean, outside of the fact that he's not playing his best tennis and clearly he's rusty and that he's completely happy in his life. Just he can't play the tennis he wished to play. And so that's when everything for now is collapsing a little bit. But I was watching him practicing with Goffin uh, yesterday and he was looking much better than in Miami, which was not difficult because Miami was just... He was not there, but he was looking really much better. So if people need to give him time, I think you can't expect, or it's a miracle, or he's, he has switched something, but you can't expect him to play, to battle Rafa this week. But maybe weeks to come, months to come, people need to give him time, but he, he was looking better already. And you wrote the book on Novak, quite literally, The Quest, <laughs> and, and at that time he was still with his long-time coach, yeah. Marion Vida, who he has gone back to this week, maybe for, just for one week only, we're not sure. Yeah. What do you read into this? Well, you know, when things go bad and you're a bit lost and you need to be reassured, you need to find somebody that you can trust right away, you go back to Vida because that's 
that's second father or uncle or whatever. That's the guy who made him uh, reach the top level. He has complete trust in Vajda. So, and the time he was so short between end of Miami and then it's friendship and already you, you can't build a new relationship. So you go back to somebody that you can call and say, okay, you know what? It's I need help and Marianne is going to come and help. So, so I mean, nobody knows him better. Well, no, and, I, and I, what I love about this is I think um, it shows how big a, a man Marion Vider is yeah. because he realised clearly that Novak had to go off and do his own thing for a couple of years, try and do it his way. But I think yeah. Vider's a calming influence. He's always, always been a much undervalued figure in Novak's camp. But it's a big, it's a big ask to see Novak switch, you know, switch gears immediately because, and it's not just about Vider and coming back to that. He's just, he's been so off his game for so long. It's 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 really really hard to watch him play like this because he looks like he hasn't got a clue. For somebody who was number one in the world, totally dominant, he looks like he doesn't really know how to play. And in Miami, he was exhausted. He got the flu of hell in Indian Wells, and then I think it was the last throw. I mean, he has to rebuild everything, the body, because he wasn't able to practice for maybe a year. Practice normally when you're Novak Djokovic, normally it's hours and hours. So as and then he never had to come back from an injury, a serious one. He has no idea. So maybe the panic is settling, like, what's, what's happening? Yeah. And then we saw it with Rafa at some point, even with Roger. When those guys are off their game from an inch, it's like, wow, everything is going a mess because they have no idea what's going on and it had never happened to them. So that's why I think he really needs time to rebuild everything. I, it will be fascinating to see which Novak we get here this week. The question oh. those monsters, which Novak today? <laughs> also interesting to see um, if this tournament here in Monte Carlo will be a launch pad for any more of the younger breed who've really started to assert themselves this year. And I should probably timestamp our chat by saying that Felix Auger-Aliassim, 17-year-old Felix Auger-Aliassim, is in the final set with Misha Zverev. It's a wonderful, wonderful match. Um, but I spoke earlier today with another of them, 19-year-old Stefanos Tsitsipas, after he qualified for the main draw. It means a lot for me. My performance today was uh, amazing. I did everything correct on the court. And um, the, the hard work I've been uh, doing the last week in the Morato Tennis Academy has paid off uh, with my fitness coach as well. We've been, we've been working very really hard to achieve uh, something uh, during the clay court season so it's a f- good first step to qualifying a masters event like this and uh, i'm looking forward on more more to come and it's what an amazing view and i know it's not the first time you've been here in monte carlo is it tell me tell me about the, the first time you uh, you came first time was like when i was six years old i think i came here with my uh, sibling petros he was much younger than me back then i was probably eight i would say not six so yeah, I was eight years old and uh, I remember I arrived to this amazing place in Monaco. I didn't even know, I mean, I was not, uh, you know, I was a small kid. I didn't know what that place was and I asked my dad and he told me, no, it's a, it's a very fancy place in Europe, uh, a very nice location for people to come. And uh, the view from the, I remember I saw the court, the center court, uh, because I came for the tournament and... Uh, it was amazing. The view was amazing, and uh, I always dreamt since that day uh, to step on, on this court, on this specific court, and play. Yeah, I think you you watched Rafa play Roger, yeah. and uh, but now you're here. You're at the same tournament, Rafa's am, top yeah. seed, and there you are. Yeah, I am. Yeah, it's uh, very satisfying. It's a it's a very nice feeling, you know. I've been watching this tournament on television uh, for the last ten years. I was watching Nadal win every single event here, every single year. So 
uh, it inspires me, you know, and uh, I feel I felt very motivated to do, uh, today to do well in my match because uh, it's it's very important for me to qualify in such an important event like this. What do you make of the year so far? Reflect for me on uh, 2018. You know, we're, we're still obviously only a few months in, but how, what do you make of it so far? It's going pretty well, I can say. Yeah, the only thing. Uh, I need uh, in my game is confidence and uh, self-belief when I play. Australian Open uh, was the first Grand Slam of the year. Was uh, didn't go as planned to be honest. I was expecting a bit more from me uh, on that tournament, but uh, I managed to do well before that in Doha, Qatar. Very good tournament for me. I felt uh, really good on playing there, and also next uh, two weeks I think after the Australian Open at, in Dubai, also a very good week reaching the quarterfinals of an ATP 500. So, my, you know, I'm trying to develop as a player, to try to be stable with my results on, the, on, this, um, on this level. And, uh, yeah, I think results will come slowly, slowly. And your coach, or one of your coaches, is your father, uh, Apostolos. Um, how do you chart your progress together? Is there a plan, or do you take it week by week, or a little bit of both? Uh, it depends on how I feel, of course, and um, how I play, the results as well. If I do well, I'll probably skip the next one because I managed to reach a goal I, I've set it before that tournament to make a certain amount of points and reach a, cer- a certain amount, uh, reach a certain, uh, um, how you call it, around in the tournament. So the scheduling, I would say, is pretty good at the moment. I managed to not play too less tournaments and also not to play too much tournaments I, I, I keep a, you know, a balance there I try to keep a balance together with practice and preparation it's going well it's going well for me yeah uh, how does it work being coached by your dad? I mean, there are obvious other examples. Sasha, obviously, with Sasha Senior. And uh, who else do we have? Dennis, coached by his mum. I guess there are strong connections there and he knows you so well. But can it be tricky at times as well? Of course it can, yeah. It's, uh, it's, my, it's my dad. <laughs> it can, yeah. It's, uh, the relationship is sometimes uh, not as stable as some having a relationship with a coach which you probably don't know that well. I know my dad very, very well. I know him since then, since day one. <laughs> so uh, I feel blessed to have him uh, in every single tournament. Uh, he never skipped a tournament since you started, uh, you know, all this. So I feel very blessed to have him next to me. He's, I believe he's a really good coach and he uh, grows every single year, learns more, uh, experiences more. So. Uh, he can become an even better coach in the future. So it's it's really nice, as I said before, to have your, uh, a parent as a coach. Um, I feel a very strong connection with him. And looking at your your father, but also your mother, was it fair to say you were always going to be a tennis player? Not really, actually. When I was younger, I always wanted to be a football player. <laughs> tennis was uh, I looked at tennis as a, as a hobby, uh, I would say, and. Um, it all started with my first tournament um, uh, title, victory here in, in, uh, in France, uh, specifically in Normandy, where I won my first uh, tournament as a kid. And I said to my, I remember uh, waking up my dad uh, during the night, telling him uh, that he can, uh, si- uh, you know, um, sign me off. Is that the right expression? Sign me off of the rest of the sports I was doing, swimming, football. You know other activities I was doing, and uh, be fully uh, focused on tennis 
I want to become. I told him I want to become a tennis player, <laughs> and he was. Um, he said, "Okay, you know, I'll uh, I'll just you, you can just skip the rest and you, you can fully uh, focus on tennis after that." Yeah, because all of your brothers and sisters play as well, don't they? And they, and they all play very well. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they are. They're actually now. Um, uh, the academy, my base, Moratul Tennis Academy, is doing a really good job. They they accepted my siblings in the academy, so it's a really nice move from them. We can all be next to each other now. Uh, we can uh, we have an apartment there, so things are going well. You know, having your sibling next to you, they also play tennis, so uh, and the environment uh, is pretty good at the moment, and I'm very, very satisfied with that. And in terms of the people you you take energy from and, and learn from, I understand that Marcos Bagdatis, uh, obviously a Cypriot, is also um, not so much in your camp, but helps you. Um, important person for you, Marcos? Of course. Uh, Marcos, I know Marcos very well. I met him uh, last year, and since the, that day I met him, we were very close to each other. He tries to help me from time to time. He has been in a few of my matches I played, and uh, he's uh, very supportive. He gives me tips from time to time whenever I see him. And he's a really nice guy. I, uh, I, I always uh, watched him on TV uh, as a young kid, I remember. And uh, he was an inspiration when I watched him. And uh, I really I was aware of what he has done for the sport. And uh, um, I felt always motivated to pass him. <laughs> yeah, because you're obviously both from the same part of yeah. the world. Or You're from Greece, he's from Cyprus. But... More so, I imagine, just helping you be really the only Greek carrying the expectations of the country like he did with Cyprus. Can he help in that way? Yeah, we have the same culture, we have the same language. It's, uh, I, w- I wouldn't say it's that much of a pressure to, you know, to be the only Greek. It's actually the opposite of that. Um, I feel, I feel, you know, I feel, I feel good uh, of representing my country in such important events, uh, specifically Monte Carlo, and of course other events as well. It's, uh, I'm very proud uh, to represent Greece, which uh, is the best way, you know, individually to represent a country. Uh, yeah, of course, Greece is not not known for you know the sport, tennis, some so much. But uh, my goal is to make it famous back home, uh, back home where, from where I am and uh, um, you know, have kids go out and play tennis more. Now, I wanted to ask you about Next Gen. You played Next Gen uh, last year. You were an alternate in, in Milan. Um, that must be a big aim, fair to say, this year uh, again, to, to, now that you've seen it once, to be there again properly this time and be in the main draw? Yes, for sure. It's uh, one of my goals for this year. Um, uh, I'm try- I'll try to keep really focused on achieving this. Uh, it-, it won't be easy for sure, but I'll try to get uh, Jane as many points as I can to manage to make it to the ATP, uh, to sorry, the next gen ATP finals. Uh, it was a really nice experience last year to uh, see this for the first time. I felt lucky to be uh, there, and for sure, yeah, it's. Uh, I will be trying to do my best this year to make it to the to such an important event as the next gen AP finals. And just finally, Stefanos, what what about when you're not playing tennis? You, you've won today. Uh, you're not sure yet whether you play tomorrow or Tuesday. But what do you do when you're not playing tennis? What does Stefanos Tsitsipas uh, spend his time doing the rest of the time? Well, now that I have my family here, I would probably spend more time with my family, uh, have a nice lunch, dinner. Uh, spend time with them go to the beach uh, also as I said in another interview I like creating stuff 
one of them is making videos so I would probably you know get creative like uh, create a video or something I am also very uh, interested in photography I have a cam I'm a professional camera which I use often taking f pictures photos of interesting uh, sightseeing or landscapes so I have many hobbies uh, I like playing video games uh, going out with friends I went uh, yesterday with my friends to the casino here in Monte Carlo uh, very nice place <laughs> Uh, yeah, basically this kind of stuff, yeah. We will look out for your photography. Good. The best of luck with the rest of the tournament here in Monte Carlo. And thanks very much for talking with us on ATP Tennis Radio. Thank you very much. Carol, sit, sit to pass. Um, he's such a promising player. Plays Pretty Dennis promising. Shapovalov, oh, another one, first round. I know, round. that's a cruel draw because they're, they're both young. And maybe Dennis, well, maybe Dennis has taken a bit the lead because you talk to him and that guy, you could think he's... Yeah, since 10 years already. It's such a natural at this level, which is fantastic. But Titi Pass, I know Muratoglu just adores him. The technique is just perfect. The guy is so classy. But he lacks maybe a bit of experience at this level, but he's going to, he's going to learn fast. All those, those guys are learning so much faster than the previous ones. The scary thing for me is how mature he is. When you talk to him, he just he seems like you're talking to a to a 30 year old in terms of how he talks about the game yeah, and he's not from a nation that's had a has been blessed with so many players that he could have learned from over the last few years he's just a you know once in a generation phenomenon from from his country i think he's got you know a huge upside he's very mature which will help him uh, get in get on the board early as in his mm. career and as carol was saying these guys because they're so because they're 17 18 19 Anyone who's ever played junior tennis will know that juniors improve like week on, week out. You don't see them for a few weeks, suddenly they come back with a massive topspin serve never seen before. <laughs> and it's, like, it's almost like that when you see these guys. They improve tournament on tournament and suddenly they burst into the top 10, top 20. It's very exciting because we had that generation that never quite made it. You know, one or two, Chilich won a Grand Slam, Dimitros being close. But these guys look like they're the real deal. But you know, maybe there's a big for babies. Like, they're the ones who have grown up watching day in, day out, the Andy, Rafa, Roger and Novak. And so they, because they're, they're, like, talking like them. They're, like, acting so professional. Bernard Schuritz is, is already such a pro. And, like, maybe, you know, that's, we're seeing the results of the big four work because they, meet, they were so close, the other ones. Even if they're more stronger, they were head to head with those guys losing weeks but no no those baby ones they had the time to just look and see how was they were acting and maybe that's why they're already so good yeah who else have we got uh, you mentioned Hatchinoff earlier who well, beat I would have uh, said another Alexander one Zverev, but he took a beating in Davis Cup against Rafa so maybe it hurt a little bit yeah. <laughs> he's another obvious one he's another obvious one and again the other thing they have is that tennis players have great short term memory loss yeah, you know, they're very very good especially true. the best ones at getting rid of those defeats true. that will have hurt because he just he, he did get hammered and in losing to Isner, that was bad in, yeah, in Miami. Yeah, and then yeah. Davis Cup was, you know, was never going to beat Rafa. But he's got a big personality. He believes he's going to be number one, has done for a few years already. Uh, and Chorich is the same. When I interviewed him when he was 16, he swaggered across the hotel lobby. I love it was it. unbelievable. Yeah, he gets I've never seen someone before. But these guys, they, I think Carol's absolutely right. They're not scarred. They didn't have to compete against the, uh, the top four. They've seen what they've done. They act the same way. They're as professional. They work as hard. Um, yeah, Kashinov's another one. Big hitter. You know, Rublev, these guys, huge, huge players. Kyrgios, still, you know, maybe not one of the younger ones, Kokinakis, but this could be a big year. For I'd Kyrgios. love to see Kokinakis in a duel again because I think tennis still needs that guy. Indeed. Just finally, uh, and changing tack slightly, uh, to the doubles. It's been a wonderful start to the year for Oliver Marak and Marta Pavic. 
three titles already, including their first Grand Slam at the Australian Open. The number three seeds here. I spoke with Oliver fresh off the court at a coaching clinic earlier. Yes, it's always a lot of fun. Uh, we enjoy when we have a day off and we, the ATP ask us to do a clinic. So I enjoyed a lot. I've at home also in Austria. I had a little kids uh, academy. So always when I'm there, it's not often in the year, but I try to play with the kids. Uh. 24 and 4 this year. What a start to the season it's been. Yes, it's uh, an unbelievable run, I have to say. Um, especially the first month we were unbeaten and then in Rotterdam we had our first loss also in the final and so far we are playing really really well but it's still a long season and we try of course the goal now for us is maybe ending number one or two at the end of the year but uh, it's a long season so we hope we can continue as well as that. Yeah, one of the three titles you've won already, a Grand Slam. Your first, I think Marta's first as well. That must have meant so much to both of you. Yes, it was amazing to win a slam. Last year we were a little bit unlucky in Wimbledon. We lost uh, 11-13 in the fifth set, which was a great match. And this year uh, we uh, finally could win a slam, which was an unbelievable feeling. Uh, especially uh, with me, I was injured the whole winter, so I didn't even know if I can go first to Doha. Then we win Doha, we win Oakland, and then finally the Australian Open was unbelievable. You're an odd couple in many ways. You're 37, Marta's 24, 13 years between you, but it works. Yeah, um, I mean, I I try to stay fit a lot. I work a lot on on and off court, and um, he's he's very young. He's 24 years old, so everything ahead of him, I have to maintain my body. He can still build it up. So I do more injury prevention stuff. He, he tries to get stronger. So uh, it works well. We are very different players in some ways. He's playing service volley. I play from the back. So it's the mix what combines us really well. And yeah, let's see how it goes this season. I hope it's going well. Yeah, here in Monte Carlo, you've been here a number of times before. Um, yes. His first Monte Carlo, though, you've been showing him the ropes. Yes, I have to introduce him first. They are everything at the club, how, where's the entry and where's everything. But it's one of the nicest tournaments we have on the tour. Uh, a lot of people come here to watch. Uh, we enjoy a lot to play here. You're marked men now after the season you've had so far. Is that changing things? Uh, well, not, not really. I try to... Uh, be the same as always I mean I'm, I'm very busy also when I have off time I have family two kids and try to spend as much time as possible because last year I I saw them two months maybe this year it's a little bit different a better ranking I, I can take maybe one or two weeks more off in the year try to see them more often and spend as much time with the family as possible. Just finally, you mentioned that London is the obvious goal. You're, you're almost there already. Uh, presumably that takes the pressure off, or do you, do you want to go even higher now and potentially finish top? No, I mean, you, you can't be satisfied in sport. I'm a person who always wants more. Uh, uh, we, I think we maybe we're already in London because uh, first there's this rule with uh, if you win a slam and there's no other team who is in the back of the 18. Uh, then uh, we can be there and we have a lot of points already. So, uh, I mean, London is for sure for us uh, very makeable. And, and then the next goal is, I said already last week, to win maybe a thousand event or, uh, if possible, be very good in a Grand Slam. I mean, years long and hope we can do very well on the big tournaments. Funny old year in the doubles. Yeah, I think you know doubles is difficult because the because the scoring format and because you have sudden death juice and you have the champions tie break to to decide matches. 
you can be playing the better on the day and you still lose. And the players know that. It's a really difficult psychological hurdle to get over. And I think that's why you have so many different winners. It's when it comes to, you'll see pretty much the same faces in the end of year finals in London. Yeah, totally. You know, and, and you'll see the slams where people have a little bit more time to get into their stride. And I think that's really why the inconsistency comes in. But it's nice to see some other people winning. At the same kids' clinic, I spoke with uh, Marcelo Mello and Lucas Kubot, who just swept all before them last year, didn't they? They, they were really struggling this year, along with John Piers and Henry Conton. And I, I asked them if perhaps teams had gone away and done a little bit more homework in the off-season. But actually, Lucas just came straight back at me, batted it away and said, no, it's just the scoring system, a few points here and there. That's, I hate Noad. I'm sorry. Just that's, I hate Noad because you're losing a big part of, of the tension that you need. And super tie-break is a bit of a... A lottery, but I understand why they put that in in play. But it's that it's maybe not helping double as much as they thought it would. I like the uh, in doubles. I like the idea, and a lot of the doubles players will tell you this. They don't they don't like no ad, but if you're going to have it, make it server's choice as to which side you go. Because why should it be an advantage to the receiver to break serve? You're just supposed to hold serve. Well, we saw that at next gen, didn't we? Yeah. That was the other I mean, way round. Good way. That is a good way of doing it, and I, I think they would. That would be a good uh, move should the ATP try that. Only time will tell. Let's see. Right. Finally, your pick for the singles. No. Come on, ladies first. I mean, I'm sorry. It's impossible. I try to think out of the box, but even then, I, you can't say, you can't not say Rafa. It has to be Rafa. And it's crazy to say that because he has been injured for months. But he came back Davis Cup. He destroyed everybody. Practice is a monster. So you have to say Rafa. But I was intrigued with Dominic Tim Dimiano today. He looked so confident that he was going to crush half of the competition that no but I have to go with Rafa I am sorry the others <laughs> yeah it has to be Nadal to win it but I mean you have this could be a year where both here and Monte Carlo and in and in uh, Roland Garros where you have a freak finalist we were yeah. just thinking about Martin Verkirk yeah. here who you know sort of came down of nowhere to get to a final then disappeared off the face of the earth but um, so if you're thinking about that you know it could be somebody lurking in the other half yeah somebody who's got a little bit of form who can come through from the bottom half but it to, to actually beat Nadal especially when you're going to beat him in the final semis and finals is virtually impossible it's a bit like this season you have the feeling that it could be business as usual or it could be crazy like you, you feel it, you know maybe on the verge of something ah no no okay Roger is saving the day or, but it could go crazy at any moment that's the feeling I have but you're both we firmly anchored and with it's Monte Carlo. Thank you very much. That is all we have time for uh, this week. My thanks once again to Carol Bouchard and to Simon Cambers. Remember, you can join us all week for live ball-by-ball coverage every day of the Rolex Monte Carlo Masters. Enjoy it wherever and whenever you are. Let us know what you think on Twitter. Enjoy the tennis and see you next time. <laughs>